<laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's that feeling of like I had, I I uh, was opening a wine bottle yesterday, and I sliced my finger like a razor blade on the foil. Ooh, but it's one of those things where like you do it, you know you did it. React like you know you did it, and then there's a beat, a pause before you go to get the bandage or whatever, right? Where you're just mm. like that sound you just made <laughs> just like are you kidding me like just yeah just let's reset here and pretend this didn't happen because it's not really true uh welcome back it's a podcast called we were gamers episode 142 142 right? two, 242 makes <laughs> a bit of a difference that's more more differences we're inching towards being able to give people a full year of this podcast. What? I mean, like, we're now Episode almost... Episode per day kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we're we're well on our Be- way. Between regular episodes and side episodes? Yeah. Yeah. I need to yeah, do... especially since there's a bunch of bonus stuff that isn't counted in the numbering, and if you added all that up, I'm sure we're much closer than 242. It took me 242 episodes to finally break down and purchase a new set of headphones for this podcast. Ooh, snazzy. I have to say, it's very strange listening to you two. Most, you know what? No, you two sound as good as my other headphones. My other headphones were quality, high quality. Okay, I'll tell you about the headphones in a second. But I have to say... My old headphones were SR60 Grado headphones. They're American-made, high-quality phono headphones that have been around since, like, the late 60s for listening to mostly records and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very well-reviewed from the SR60 all the way to, like, the SR120 or whatever they are. Uh, You know, mildly expensive to very expensive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those headphones are called open backed. And so your ear, the earphone bleeds out the back, giving you more like an airy concert sound to your music. Uh, So bass doesn't really, I mean, it still thumps, but it, it doesn't thump against your head. It thumps everywhere. And then also gives you like a lot of less uh, ringing on, uh, on, uh, treble notes. Michael might get some of what I'm saying here. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they're open backed headphones to give you more of an open feel, but I've always noticed, and it's bothered me a little bit on the podcast that because they're open backed, if I want to listen to you guys at more than like a 10 on my computer volume, <laughs> I have to then edit out the bleed from the headphones because the microphone picks it up but i love those headphones so much that i never pulled the trigger until uh i had kind of a week this past week and i said all right well let's go see what the price on these uh ones that i've been eyeing for a while i went with some audio technica uh i think they're mx50s 
which are used as reference headphones in most like recording studios for artists who are recording. Uh, and they come in white to match my new computer. I'm not saying I'm vain, but I'm a little bit vain. <laughs> I mean, buying reference <laughs> headphones to listen to us talk on a podcast is a little bit vain. Yeah. However, if you are doing video editing work or you know things of that nature for what would ostensibly have been your actual life job were there not gestures everywhere <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know you you would care more about you know the quality of the sound as opposed to me who have been using the same pair of logitech usb headphone microphone headset thing for let's say 10 years i managed to get them open box uh, and when they came, they were in perfect condition. I tested all the cables and all the fittings and the sound quality and everything. And they seem to have just been opened and returned for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Okay. Yeah. Uh, they're not open back, obviously, right? Because they're reference headphones. They want you to not hear the outside world, really. Because um, generally, they're going to be feeding you audio if you're in a studio doing music or whatever. Hmm. Yep. My voice sounds very strange talking to you. Normally I can hear my normal voice because of the open back, but now it's like a muffled version of myself and I have no idea except for staring at the levels in front of me how loud I am. <laughs> yeah, that takes getting used to for sure. That cuz that, you know, these are covered headphones as well and yeah. while they're probably not insulated as well as yours are, it is very hard to hear myself unless I'm speaking, you know, it, if I'm like talking quietly or something, like I can definitely barely hear. I myself, can only feel my chest weird. moving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As opposed to like you know when I'm talking in a normal tone of voice or being loud, it's I can hear myself. At which point, you know, it's it's more obvious. Yeah. Well, sometimes we all have that kind of week where you're just like, I deserve this. I I need this, and I deserve this. <laughs> I have earned this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We had a a vacation plan be vacation planned and then uh like you said gestures wildly everywhere uh was then canceled on us i planned to be sitting in a cabin in the snow talking to you guys this week while enjoying a hot cup of cocoa and my switch instead uh you know mm -hmm. more stay you've at got, home you've got two out of those three things uh yeah i well when you stay home and your, <laughs> your kids are on school and you've got house construction that you decide to do because you got stuck at home. Your switch kind of fades away. <laughs> and uh, there you go. There you have it. That's my week. I didn't uh, I didn't get a ton of time to watch AGDQ, but I need to hear about it. Because I assume that's what you guys got a lot of time to do this week while you're working. Hmm. No, but I definitely ah, watched several no. runs. Make me I mean, live I'm, through you, please. I'm I'm back working in an office, so I don't get a lot of time oh, to watch anything. Yeah, um, ditto, ditto for me. So, bummer. but day day one, I actually this year for once. Normally, that first Sunday is is uh, we're out and about doing things, and so I miss the start. But this year, I actually caught a fair number of the the runs um, in total. Uh, if not in pieces from the first day. So I, I picked up several VODs throughout the week of ones that we commented on or people told me were good. And then I watched uh, a few of the runs towards the very end of the marathon as well. And then, well, we can talk about the one that I fell asleep on. <laughs> yeah. 
or turned off and went to sleep because I was just. Uh, was it all the same for all of us? I mean, I don't know. Were you it guys all watching that Pokemon been. run? I wasn't actually watching it at the time, but I did fall asleep during it. I attempted to watch it because I wanted to see. It's actually kind of ridiculous what they were doing. Um, I, I was very impressed technically at what they were doing. Yes. I was very bored yeah. watching it. <laughs> That's what happened to me. So I stared at it. I was watching. And I was like, I'm going to make it through this on the last day. I have yet to watch more than that Sonic run, which we could talk about, I guess, for a minute. Uh, I've yet to watch more than that Sonic run live. I'm watching this and I'm watching the end when they're going to have Ocarina of Time. I'm going to enjoy this last little bit of it because of this ruined week. Which, I mean, all in all, I mean, I don't want to sell it like it was bad. Like it wasn't a bad week, but it's just not what you plan for, you know. But uh, yeah. Andrew, uh, I want to emphasize to you the point of taking time off. And when you're at home, yeah. you should still plan to be at home and relax and not do work around the house just because you're there. So, you know, take care of yourself, man. You deserve I, you that know, time off, even if you're at your house. JJ. I need to pay you a, some amount of money to have this session. <laughs> hey, man, you put me on with your wife or your kids or your kids' teachers or whoever, man. I'll, I'll argue it. I don't yeah. have any compunction. No, I'm just saying, it, you know. I, uh, I found out this year that I hit the, like, maximum allowed paid time off cap at my company yeah. for the number of years that I have been there. Uh, and so once you go over that amount, by law, they can't just like get rid of it because it's part of your compensation. So they pay you out, but then it gets taxed at like a bonus rate as opposed to like your normal tax rate. So then you have to claw it back later. No, you just get a check, but the check is way smaller than it should be if you had just taken the time off. Right. right? So then you got to do your taxes and try and claw back that money later. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's a like I mean you know it's 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 free money, right? It's money you were not going to get otherwise. But the value of that money is lowered because if you had used it as time off and taken the day off, it would have been worth more to you, right? Yeah, your value yeah. of your mental health, I guess, right? Yeah, so uh, I think I made a resolution this year to take more days off even if I don't plan to do anything with them. If I plan to sit here and play video games for a day, I'm going to do it because it's my money and it's my time off and I could use it if I want to. It's really and I easy, think that though. applies to everyone. It was really easy last year to not think about taking time off, right? Totally. Um, especially with totally. Uh, multiple people in our direct circle having been out of work for a certain amount of time. You feel pressured to make sure you're working as hard and as long as possible, um, especially when you're available to just roll out of bed and start working, right? Well, I don't exactly. need to take this time off. I'm here. Yeah. I have AGDQ on or SGDQ on in the background. This is great. Like, this yeah. is way better than my office. But I, you know what? Uh, it is still important that you take time off and you dedicate that time to not work. And even if that means you are going to sit on the couch and watch TV, that counts and is important. So do I my believe kids in that. give vacation time. How do I apply for that? Does does the state? Do I mean, that? th that's what that's what summer is. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that, that for kids. Um, no, no. I mean, although, from you know, kids. Year round. Oh, um, <laughs> ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you, um, have to, you have to take that up with the other adult in your house. <laughs> Andrew, this is the part where I, I regret to inform you that you signed up for 18 years I, <laughs> minimum of yeah, this. And not, they, you know what? No way out, my friend. They've been, they've <laughs> the been, only way out is through. 
<laughs> charge of the light brigade. What what are we doing? Ah, oh, I love that reference. Oh, that's great. You know what? They've been pretty good in this whole thing. It's amazing how resilient kids are. I just got to shout them out in nine, you know, 2038 when they listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Dad, we have all these weird recordings for the old internet. Do you yeah, want us to yeah. save these? And you're like, what are you talking about? Kids, back in my day, there was face medias and social books. And... Get out of my room. We had, to rec- we had to record uphill both ways. <laughs> we had microphone problems on every podcast. There's you kids. Go back and listen to the first 40 episodes. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. Oh. But yeah, so uh, speed runs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, so, was, um, that was the thing. I, okay. what, is, what are some of the good ones that people caught? Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania. Yeah. That was a great run. I think we all watched that one. I, I did. I, hmm. You know what I love about... Uh, there's two... Well, there's a lot of things I love about the GDQs. A lot of them is like exploring games I would never explore or seeing games that you love just completely taken apart like pokemon blue we were in the middle of talking about i actually like that game a lot uh i have replayed it multiple times in adulthood um wow that seems like one that would not hold up but it's just you know at a certain point you and i have had this discussion i think with michael about how they're all basically the same yep and it's gotten to the point that pokemon is so complicated with so much stuff to do. It's almost like playing an animal crossing where you're like, well, why don't I just go do something actually real with my time and get back, you know, like versus a Mm. Pokemon one or two, or even the third generation where you could set them down and just like, it's just about catching 150. If you really want to, or more, you know, just, just beat the gyms, you know, yeah. They're not complicated games. It's like doing a Sudoku almost. Those games. There's yeah. no there's no fetch twitching, there's no Mario memorization, there's no optimize you can just go back to it and enjoy it if you really really want to. Um and it's on a Game Boy so the nostalgia is high for me. Uh, I I played a lot of Game Boy Color. So you know, watching I just to finish our discussion on the blue one before we talk about Sonic Mania, but watching them be able to in the game trick the game into doing things by just item manipulation was fascinating. The problem was it was fascinating for like the first twenty five Pokemon he catches, and then they're doing that for like an hour and thirty minutes, and that's when I fell asleep. Yeah. Yep. You know, once you yeah. get the once you get the trick of it and the novelty wears off. Oh, I still don't get quote unquote the trick of it. Like, did I, I mean, watch you, it and then figure out that I could do it? No. But like you, you could get it, right? I'm sure if there's a there's a word document or a, a you know a paste bin or something somewhere that explains how to do this. Sure. And you could understand that if I did this in this sequence on these frames, now the thing thinks I'm here, but I'm actually here, and I can walk in this door and it thinks I'm somewhere else, and then I catch yeah. a Zubat. Even but though have, it's supposed to be whatever and like, yeah. You know what I also have no interest in doing is 
Okay, we'll go to this cave, go to the second level of this cave, move to the left of the ladder, move only in these three square, squares, count the frames, yeah. and then no, you'll yeah. know no. that when you're in the third square down, if you do it on eight frames, that you'll encounter uh, oh, it's, uh, this Krabby is Mewtwo now. or whatever, yeah, or Starmie. Yeah. Or, and it's just like, nah, that's enjoyable to watch someone else do. Right. Uh, that's why they are doing the speed run and not you. <laughs> So that's one aspect of AGDQ that I like. But the other one uh, relates to Sonic Mania, which is a game that I set down when I got my Switch because I played the first two or three levels and I was like, man, there's just something I don't remember about Sonic or feel nostalgic about Sonic. And then I watch somebody who truly loves that game and then I'm like back into like, I should try that again. Clearly, I missed something. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I. And it helps when you find some of the runners who are both like very truly fans and also very articulate about what the thing is and like why they love it and why the thing is so good. And, you know, like sometimes people need to be brought in and and told why the thing is awesome. Like it's not just evident on playing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or or seeing it in some cases. So the Sonic Mania one was good for that. Yeah. did y'all catch any other really good ones? Like I said, um, those are kind of it for me. So one of the ones that impressed me most that I caught this year uh, was the Celeste run. Mm. Uh, JJ, I know I mentioned this to you. I don't know if you went back and caught it, but it was Celeste. It was all of the seasides and the game was played with a dance pad. So did they have to unlock the seasides first or did they so have them already unlocked and just they had them? the seasides already unlocked, okay. um, but the levels were they were all unlocked, but none of the levels had been beaten. OK, so it was just how quickly could they run through the seasides, basically DDR on, style on a DDR. That's fun. Uh, I have played Celeste. I did not see this run, although now that you're saying this again, I remember you telling me to go watch it and now I'm going to do that. Um, Celeste is hard, dude, with a controller. (laughs) I've I've heard people say it's like both easier and harder in other ways with a keyboard. There are some people that like the keyboard for it because the, uh, the distance is a little more, the movement is less, uh, analog, right? So there's more like discrete. Like if I want to press up and left, I know I am always hitting up and left on a keyboard or the D pad on your controller. Sometimes it's a question mark. Sure. Right. Um, but it like I, I played it with a controller. I didn't have that much trouble. I but I didn't beat all the B sides. <laughs> and that's the B sides. You beat the B sides or sorry, you find the C sides inside the B sides. Right. So like the, the, the normal level is the A side. You play it somewhere hidden in the level is a cassette tape, which is the B side. Somewhere hidden in the B side level is the C side cassette tape. And I think there are even D sides now. Um, oh, wow. And I don't know that they escalate in difficulty necessarily. Like the first level's B side is m- still much easier than like the last levels, mm-hmm. right? right. They're still commensurate with the level that they are, but they're not like the the A is easier than the B is easier than the C, right? Generally, mm-hmm. uh, even if that's not strictly true, it's generally like that. So beating all the C sides is really impressive. I don't think I think when I played, I beat some of the B sides, not all of them. And I didn't even find any seasides. <laughs> so 
I don't know if it was because I was just having trouble beating it that I didn't bother to try and like look around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I died like 5,000 times or something in my playthrough of that game. Did, so. Oh, you can count them? Uh, it, yeah, it counts for you. <laughs> just oh, at the, oh, no. At the, there's a yeah, hot, there's a hot number on your save file. <laughs> it just shows you. It's, it just smack you with it. It kind of like, yeah, it's oh, very no. easy to find it. That's funny. Ah, but like, it doesn't matter because like the, you restart instantly after you die. There's no loading or anything. And you, like, there's no penalty to dying really mm-hmm. other than just like, okay, you're back on the ground where you started your jump. Like do better. Yeah. But yeah. It's a hard game. So I mad respect for someone that can do that on a DDR pad. Holy cow. Yeah. And run through it in 14 minutes. What? Just shy, just shy of 15 minutes. That's really fast. 15 minutes on a dance pad? There's got to be like a, a movement trick for that. Uh, the game has really insane movement tricks, even on controllers. So yeah. uh-huh. I assume if you can do the same movements on a DDR pad, you could somehow get the like crazy movement you can do on so a controller. By saying he does it on a DDR pad, does that mean that the DDR pad has macros built into it? I mean, it's not like when people play certain games on their drums or whatever. I would assume that, like, up, down, left, right, and then the four face buttons. Yeah, I don't think you need much more for for the game I, if you're doing it on a controller, do you? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you might not even need more. You might not even need that. I bet you only need, like, one or two face buttons for, like, jump. Hmm. Yeah. And then the four directions. Maybe there's, like, a restart button. I don't remember. It's jump is the one you care about mostly. <laughs> and then maybe like dash. Maybe jump and dash are the two separate ones. Sure. Probably. I think that's it though. So yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see any impressive ones like that. I watched them play Sekiro any percent. Um, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, the, uh, I don't know. Harder Sekiro? Oh, I mean, no, it's the, it's just, just, that's just the name of the oh, game. Oh, Sekiro is Shadows Die Twice? That's just the subtitle to the game. Okay. Uh, the, but the speed run is like less than 30 minutes and it's just like getting the fastest ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really get to see a lot of the game because they're like clipping out of stuff. <laughs> and jumping outside the world and swimming through the air and some very silly things. Um, but it is impressive when they do actually fight the bosses, how quickly they can like, like how mastered they have the bosses to the point where like they maneuver them into this one corner and then they call it a dead angle because anything the boss does connects with your attack that's in mid swing <laughs> and they're per- permanently juggled into this corner and can oh, do wow. nothing against you. Yeah. And they have like, they don't fight that many bosses in the run because they're like clipping around outside and like going places they shouldn't be or whatever. But the ones they do fight just die so unbelievably fast. It's like, Oh, this took me 500 deaths and hours of like learning attack patterns and all this stuff. You just push him into a corner and then just like, boop, 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 and then just jam on the attack button and he just dies. (laughs) Wow. It's very impressive when they do those parts. Um, But it, it, the run is a little harder to understand because you just like they jump along a wall and all of a sudden are out of bounds and you're like, wait, what? And then they're f- swimming through the air somehow. Hmm. So uh, it was cool to watch uh, for me who has played the game, but I'm not sure if you hadn't played it, if you'd get it as well. 
Um, but I saw that. What else did I watch that was good? Uh, did you catch the Super Orb Bros run? Ah, I did catch that. Yes, I watched By that. Mitch, Mitch okay. Flower Power. I watched, I watched that, that live. I, yeah, it was yeah. good. We we were texting during that one. I think probably. I I forgot about this because <laughs> I tried to watch it uh, with the wife there, and explaining the ROM hack community ended up going down a very deep hole, and I missed a lot of it. <laughs> um. I had seen some streamers play this game before when it came out earlier this year. Okay. So I just remember, all I remembered that it was like some weird Mario 3 hack. And there are not a lot of Mario 3 hacks, apparently, you know, compared with like Super Mario World hacks, of which there are many more. Uh, and it's it's weird, man. It's a weird one. They have like wall kicks and, and wall jumping and stuff in it that on-off switches, which are things that were not in Mario 3. Uh... And uh, the run is a world record. So, yeah. spoiler alert! Like it's, yeah. and it's apparently like a really amazing world record compared with what the previous time was. It just came out this yeah. year, right? And so there's going to be a lot of uh, people that played it and then didn't practice it. And so he apparently, the Mitch Flower Power, uh, practiced and practiced and practiced it before he was. He was the previous world record holder. Yeah, uh, and the previous world record was 36 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I won't spoil what the time was, but it was lower than that. You can go watch the run. You should go, <laughs> you watch, should the run. go watch the run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His commentators were very good trying well, to explain was, what he was uh, doing. One of them was Grand Pooh Bear. Yep. Who I have come to know and respect through many YouTube slash streaming highlights of his. And, yeah, yeah. And AGDQ a, runs. He's yeah. a prolific Mario player as well. Yeah. Um, and, and fun to watch in his own right. He played a ton of Spelunky, which I watched him play this past year, which was fun. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Uh, did you speed run the Three Kingdoms? Are you done with it? Did Did you take my advice and avoid it? What What's the deal? Uh, all right, you guys. How much do you guys know <laughs> about the Three Kingdoms time of Chinese history? Because... Mm. Little, little to none. Yeah. And that's where I came in as well. Uh I know basically nothing about this con- this uh, series of things other than like names I have picked up from Dynasty Warriors games. Okay, so uh, give me an, a rough year that we're talking about in China. Uh, this game begins in 1900, or sorry, ni- 1900, uh, 190 CE. Okay, so this is roughly when the Wei Dynasty is around, yeah? Uh, this is the fall of the Han Dynasty, Dong Zhuo, and the Three Kingdoms and the Yellow Turban Rebellion. Okay, yes. All right. So the the, the Yellow Turban Rebellion has already begun and is ongoing at is the start of this game. It's happening at the start of the game. Uh, it has been happening when the game starts. Okay. that's They a, are, like, around. That's already. about the extent of my knowledge of this era was that the the yellow turban dynasty um yellow turban rebellion ends the han dynasty and then way i think is one of the ones that helps to speed it along i don't know the could, names of the other two be. kingdoms don't know couldn't tell you okay uh i are you a yellow you, turban no you could <laughs> pick so when you start right this is a total war game this game is total war three kingdoms that's what i'm talking about this is the uh, it, tune in last but, week to our discussion of whether JJ should play Total War. Uh, 
so at the start, right, I picked like, hey, this is my first campaign. I'm going to play on like normal and I'm just going to like turn every assist on be like maximum tutorial, like every <laughs> explain everything. Right. Yep. Okay. As you should. And so I go in there and there's like a little video giving you like, hey, here's what's happening in the the, the setting. And like, you know, here's the various factions kind of. Um, but by the way, not nearly enough detail was given there. There are many more factions than this. And they're like, hey, here's a map of China. Which of these dudes do you want to be? Uh, it's There's a lot of dudes yeah. <laughs> listed here. Uh, more than three. So uh, there's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, do you want to be like uh, Dong Zhuo, who was the former uh, emperor or ruling guy, not the actual emperor. The emperor was a child. Uh, do you want to be like... Uh, I'm just not even going to attempt to pronounce these names like they're Chinese, even though all of them are Chinese and the game uses correct Chinese pronunciation. Do your I can't best. do it. I mean, I so mean, this guy's, this guy's like, <laughs> it, it looks like cow cow, but it's like shao shao or something like that. Uh, you don't say the C like a C. Okay. Uh, do you want to be Liu Bu, who is a like famous general guy, Super but famous. He, yeah, but he's not like a good, tactician or whatever and all and there's like 800 other dudes right like there's a huge list of guys and it's like pick any of these guys and like here's their little faction and where they start on the map and then it rates them like hey these ones are easy to start with they have like advantageous positions or whatever or maybe you have a lot of resources or something and like these guys are harder or these ones are very hard and so i'm like all right like i'm gonna go with this guy like chow chow because he has uh like he's rated easy he has a lot of advantages he's considered like a military strategist and has like a lot of friends and maybe was actually very important in actual history or something. I don't know. I, because again, I don't actually know the story of how this, this period played out like in, in actual history. So I don't know who is supposed to win. <laughs> um, you know, cause these games notionally are intended to be related to history, even if it's like alternate history. Right. Yeah. Cause you can alternate. You, you right, basically like, alter it immediately upon taking over a character and not doing exactly what they did right so right but like the rest of the people have the influences history would have had on them and they act in historical ways or or would right yeah not necessarily 100 percent historical because then they start reacting to what you do but they will be like oh like you know if, if you're not paying any attention to them they're going to do more or less what they kind of attempted to do during that time mm -hmm. and so i get in there and they're like hey here's your place you know all this stuff cow cow's ability is he is really good at diplomacy and trading and getting people to fight proxy wars for him. And then I'm <laughs> proxy like, proxy wars okay. is good. I'm like, Oh, uh, what is this now? <laughs> uh, and it, they don't explain that. Still don't, still don't know how that works. Um, you're gonna spend a lot of time before you get to do all that stuff was one of my points that I was trying to make to you. Well, uh, so I, so, you know, then they, they do lead you through a battle, um, you know, right first there's a neighboring uh, village or whatever, and you move from your, yep. your starting location over there and you go fight it. How'd you they do in you your first formation? battle? Uh, totally fine. Really okay. not a problem. Um, Did you use the fast forward button? No. No. Okay. How long? I mean, it was, it was an easy battle, man. It took like 20 minutes yeah, max. Yeah, sometimes you, you got to move across a really large field and it takes a long time for units to kill each other. Yeah, you got fast forward buttons for when literally nothing is happening. And then when the actual battles start, you don't want to fast forward anymore because all of a sudden, like your swords dudes are being flanked by the horse guys or 
the archers are shooting themselves or something and you got to you know it's this game is about like battle tactics on the battlefield right yep. it's kind of like what it ends up being about absolutely um except then you were implying there was not a lot outside of that and i want to tell you you are very wrong <laughs> sir this might be the old versus new guard that you were talking about uh i have money and i have to spend it upgrading my towns and there's like tech trees for all the various buildings in those towns mm -hmm. uh once the trees are at certain levels or whatever you unlock benefits to either your empire or various units produced in the town or whatever uh you have food you have to make sure you're feeding the number of people in your empire which are produced uh, which are like produced by the various towns you control you then have to make sure you have like supply lines and things like this and each individual army you have has its own supplies if you try to like walk away from your town, you start depleting those supplies when they have to camp outside of a town. So if you want to like uh, go to an an enemy town and take it over, you can like set up siege, right? Like you can besiege their town essentially and like starve them out or whatever. But if you don't have enough supplies, you starve and some they're of, fine. So Ooh. some of this stuff exists in Shogun, some of it, but it's not fleshed out. It's really more about like i need to make money to buy units and like okay yeah i need to build a building in a town but building a building in a town is it right like oh well that yeah. town has the thing that makes uh, spearmen so that's where my spearmen come from and i have to make them into an army to come join my other army but i can't make them into an army until i make horsemen in the city next to it and then the city next to it and they join and then i have to head them with a it was all there was there's always stuff outside, but it, a lot of it in those previous games before this generation uh, are very tedious things to do, and they, they're they not very deep. So maybe I haven't played it enough for the deepness of them to wear off yet, I suppose. Uh, uh, I, but, but then there I haven't also played this game, like... right? And so they might have taken those systems and said, how do we make these fun and consequential? Well, so the other thing I haven't mentioned at all is that you have named generals who are like units on the battlefield yeah that's yeah. like i have cow cow is a dude mm -hmm. on a horse that runs around in my army and he has like stats that are equivalent or like way greater actually than most units yeah so you can you can charge cow cow into a group of cavalry and he, there's a non-zero chance that he will just beat them by himself yeah uh, now it's not a good idea to do that, right? Like you should have your other army around. Yeah, that but, like, you can. So you always had generals, and their units were generally better, but they weren't that strong. Uh, and so then there is a. So I learned that there is a mode in this game called the romance mode, where you are playing in the like romance of the three kingdoms style. Okay. Which is like kind of closer to dynasty warriors right so your your generals are super powerful <laughs> in, in this romance mode <laughs> it's that's not that's not true but the enemy generals are as well right so yeah. it's like if if they have three generals you can't just like send your one group of spearmen to deal with them you probably need two or three or your own general to go over there and fight them right uh Generals also have a bunch of abilities and stuff that they can activate, like AOE attacks or like scares or fears. And then like this, this one general makes all these ones have a dodge chance against arrows and a bunch of stuff. But also you can duel other enemy generals, like force them into one-on-one -on -one single combat that like essentially ties their unit up. Right. Oh, that's cool. So that you can say, oh, well, like this enemy general is 
running around and causing havoc, I can force him to duel one of my generals. They can decline, but there are penalties for declining. Uh, like morale of the troops gets kind of messed up really bad if you do that. Uh, and uh, you can always be dishonorable in the duel and have your units still attack them <laughs> while they're in the duel. That has penalties for you outside of the battle, though, where like that causes other factions to see that your guy has acted dishonorably and then they'll be less likely to trust your leader and stuff in the future. Really interesting, all these like various systems at play. And, you know, like the um, the generals have levels, essentially, and you level them up. They have skill trees. Uh, and each one, I don't think each one is completely different, but there's uh, several different ones, at least, that I've seen. Uh, you also end up spending money on, like, equipment for your generals, uh, like heirloom items and armors and things that you steal from other named people or loot from towns or whatever that improve their statistics. Uh, and when you recruit an army, you have to recruit a general to go with it. You can't just have a like group of horsemen, or at least I haven't been able to figure out how to do that yet. So, and the, the generals are expensive, man. Like horsemen cost like 300 gold or whatever Chinese coin with the, the hole in the center of it. <laughs> um, I don't know what the name of the currency is. They don't, they don't really say. It's not um, one. Yuan, yeah. Uh, it could that be would, Yuan. That would be my guess. That would make a lot of sense. So th the horsemen are like 350 Yuan or whatever, but the generals are like, the level two cheapest general I can buy is like 900. It's like, oh, I can't just like have five armies sitting around doing nothing. These guys are expensive, dude. And then they have ongoing maintenance costs. Yeah, right? you got to feed them. And it's like, oh, this general is like 200 a turn <laughs> if I recruit this guy. It's like, oh, I can afford to recruit him and the horseman. Then I'll be basically zeroed out. And then next turn, bankrupt. <laughs> JJ, I know that you're an accomplished StarCraft player. You know how yeah. to macro. Oh, dude. The thing is, is that the macro part of this game is turn-based. So that is really easy to do good at. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So the, the outside of battle stuff in this game is all turn-based. There's nothing... Uh, real time going on here. You can, you know, you you end your turn, units move around, things happen, and okay. then it's your turn again. You move your armies or whatever, uh, and then you know you fight. The fights are real time. That's when uh, you know you have a pause button uh, and a fa and fast forward and buttons. No rewinds though. Uh, okay, so how many how many fights have you done? Maybe like three or four at this point. Be curious. So I've, I, I've I'll had be curious. A, I want to hear more when you're. Seven so or eight I, hours in. I've had a decisive victory. Yeah, I've had those feel good. A, I've had a victory. Uh-huh. I've had a Pyrrhic victory. Yeah. Didn't 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 feel yeah, good. It does not feel good. <laughs> uh and then I have had a defeat. Pyrrhic victory in that game usually means your army has been decimated. Uh their army was also decimated. Yeah, of course. But but it yeah, doesn't feel I, like you in unlike I, I got in, to take the t I got to take the town, but it yeah. didn't feel good. It no, didn't feel so, good. Like unlike in a Starcraft or something, the rebuilding is years long and you're just like, this sucks so bad. Well, and, and it is interesting because the, the turns are essentially seasons in that game. Yep. And so you end a turn very much like becomes, a diplomacy. And it becomes fall and the trees change color and the grass turns orange and yep. the hills are now it's very and you might kill your game. troops if you move them in the winter. 
Oh, absolutely. That's a thing. And like the snow on the ground during the winter, you Uh can't move as far and the uh, towns are much harder to attack. And like you try to like click on a town in March or whatever. It's like this will take five turns to get there. And you're like, what? And then like the next season, they they get there as soon as the snow melts and the next turn. You're like, oh, they can they can march more than twice as far in the spring than in the, the winter. Right. Yep. Uh, and so, and you have to plan all that stuff. Like if you get there in the fall and take it over and the next season is winter, ah, really hard for them to counterattack you. <laughs> uh, these are like, you know, good things to think about. You have two turns to like rebuild your forces before they show up with a counterattack or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting so far. I, it makes me wish I knew more about the historical, uh, time frame so that I had like more ideas about what I should or shouldn't be doing. Right. A lot like, of that style of game is something that I want to love because I love the game Diplomacy. Mm-hmm. But I think it becomes tedious in a way because you're not playing against somebody. You're playing against the computer. And so you're mainly mm-hmm. playing against a list of requirements instead of a, uh, people's predilections, I guess, right? Like the mechanics are very much the same. I need to take that port over there because that port gives me access to making a fleet. And if I take this place, I can then build more troops or I can build tanks or, you know, all that sort of stuff in diplomacy Mm -hmm. or artillery. I guess you don't build tanks in diplomacy, but um, then I'll have more troops and I can use those troops to attack. I can fill up the board more. Can you help my allies? But that game moves with an ebb of, making deals with people and like making deals in a, in a diplomacy game is almost, or in a, uh, a total war game is almost non-existent in the older ones that I played. And it felt very much like to win this game is less about the type of game it is instead of the checklist. So I'd be curious if you're still enamored with the battles because some of them get so long Sure. I could see that, like, if you have a really big army against another really big army, it could take quite a while. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, the uh, the diplomacy sections of it, such that I have done thus far, have really seemed like a... It feels like negotiating with the AI in Civ. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Which the game seems that- to want to make a different promise about. Which um, I don't know about that, but if nothing else, it it leads them to being predictable, sure. which is probably good because, bro, there are like 80 dudes and little <laughs> fiefdom empires and stuff all over this map. Yeah, it's like I, my as Cow Cow, my father, Cow Song, was ambushed and murdered by the traitor Tao Quan in one year, like two or three years after the start of my campaign. And then you get a choice. Like, what are you going to do about this? It pops up a text box. Like, you know, option one, the traitor must be crushed. We must take over his empire. No mercy, execute all of the people involved. Option two, uh, you know, demand remuneration from them for, you know, these grievous sin. And like, then you get some amount of money uh, from them. Option three, let it go. And then you get like some diplomatic approval from them or whatever. Sure. Obviously, I'm going to avenge my father. That's like the whole thing, right? And so, yeah. so the traitor must be crushed. And now, me and Tao Quan have beef. And I'm going to murder him and take all his family and stuff. 
That's just going to be how it is. I'm sorry. He has to lose all his towns now. That's just how it has to be. So, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I am enjoying the fact that, like, now I feel betrayed by this man who was on my team and he murdered my father and now he must die. The Alliance didn't like it. I don't care about them. This man murdered my father. <laughs> Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> Dude, exactly. <laughs> and, like, you know, if, uh, you know, and, like, my wife is a general that I can send out with my troops and you could appoint her to your court and then your court nobles get, like, bonuses and stuff. Uh, they, you can send them on assignments to like improve certain aspects of your towns. There's some kind of spying mechanic that I haven't really messed with very much because I like just found out that it's a thing I can do. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun. I'm I'm interested so far. We'll see, you know, how long I uh, I keep going with it. But I think it's uh, it's not something I'm going to be able to put down quickly because it's not it's not a quick not a quick thing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll check back in on the. Uh, the adventures of, of Shao Shao here. Yeah. I didn't uh, not do anything in the past week. Uh, I did complete something that I think JJ, you also have completed. It is a little harder for me because I can't do it on my lunch break. Michael, you may not have had time to spend 5.9 hours of your life Ooh. watching a video about a video game game in Japanese that you can't even play in the US. Hmm. This is of course the Tim Rogers Tokimeki Memorial 6-hour video. JJ. Yeah, I finished it. I also then watched his stream of the Megumi playthrough that he did online. Okay, uh, so he has not finished that yet. I think Nope, it's today. Oh, he finished today? He finished it yesterday. Oh really? Yep. The end of the playthrough is uh is online on Twitch oh. yesterday. So Okay. I must have missed it. I must have been a day behind or something. I missed it. Uh yeah. What a what a journey. <laughs> it uh I think watching this re- helped me realize why I like these videos so much. Sure. And I think calling it a review of a video game is not not wrong, but also does a disservice to the idea of what this thing actually is. I mean, three quarters of it is a let's play, so it's not really a review. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's different than even a review, though. Even the ones that don't have the, the ones that are three hours instead of five hours, right? Or six hours. Are, while ostensibly being about the game they're reviewing are also very much not about the game they're reviewing. They're about a lot of other games, right? Like things that are related to the game. I feel influences like on the game, creators of the game. I could it, write a thousand words and maybe that's the fair thing to do about the review of the review or what, you know what I mean? Like that, but off the top of my head, I would call them. I, loquacious. I was, almost autobiographical studies of design and writing in a kind of uh, not surgical in terms of accurate but surgical in terms of taking things apart 
cultural and personal critique of like uh like real themes in life not just the games so i think i was going to say that they are video essays and they're definitely essays maybe essays that aren't actually really about the thing that they say they are reviewing yeah although that thing obviously features very heavily yeah they are about things related to that thing mostly like i you learn interesting facts and trivia about life and about the reviewer and about game design. Japan in this era. Japan and music and culture and I wrote art. Down, and I wrote down because of this review two CDs to go find because they are uh, – he mentioned Yoko Kano collaborated with people that worked on this game – on two seat, and I'm like, okay, well, I like the seatbelts, obviously, from Cowboy Bebop, so I might as well listen to this, hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. And you know, the, I think the like the thing I told someone about this, like why it should be worth their time, is that okay? So this is a this is this game, Tokyo Making Memorial, is a game about being in high school in Japan and dating girls at this high school, right? Yeah. Okay. The game is yeah. like a a dating simulator, basically. Michael. If I told you dating simulator, obviously you would probably A, have no interest, but B, what type of gameplay would you expect from a dating simulator? Just ballpark off the top of your head, you would expect to do something. Um, I mean, fun. I would expect it. To, <laughs> I, I think I would expect it to be just like, almost like a trivia game where you're you're given a bunch of uh, basically options a bunch of options menus and you have to pick the right ones each mm-hmm. time how scripted would you expect the encounters to be in terms of like okay you're going to play this game the love of your life is this person you have to try and date through high school to get the ending like would you expect it to be a scripted trivia game where you just sort of like go through the motion? Like what would, what would I mean, your I would expect be? it to be per- pretty heavily scripted, maybe not fully, but more than not. JJ, how think, accurate would that be? <laughs> I, I think, well, so I think the, what it depends what you mean by scripted, but there is, I mean, a lot in terms of, of gameplay randomly... scripted, not like it, obviously the game has a script, right? But I mean, the like, game barely the, the game feels in a lot of ways like a spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. And then literally. Yeah. And then the gameplay, quote unquote, is like a visual novel almost where you you read the choices and then there's like three dialogue options and you pick the one you think the girl is going to like or dislike, I guess, if you're trying to be a jerk to her for whatever reason. But but and even in this, Michael, it's like a spreadsheet because you have to grind stats. Ooh. there are yeah, you have 15 endings to the game. Wow. Okay. And then there are a bunch of statistics, and girls won't even show up to to like talk to yeah. you. Oh, so there are unless you have certain girls. levels of statistics. So so. And, but yeah. the thing is, like, there are multiple girls, right? And so, like, you may not end up with the person that is the game's ending because the canonical you, best. Girl, yeah, because right? you mm-hmm. you personality wise, you know, ground grinded the stat for uh for uh, exercise or whatever, and then. Oh, well, I like this person that I met because of doing exercise and, you know, and so like, 
And consequently, you may never see the science girl or whatever. Much of the video essay is explaining why dating simulators had a bad rep. And this game is something that like changed games as a whole. Right. And so the, and he goes out to like long pains to point out the various ways that this game was influential afterwards. Uh, And I think the, yeah, you know what I'm leading to here. (laughs) The best anecdote I can tell is, uh, Koji Igarashi, uh, the creator of or co-director of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, the many other famous of uh, uh, many other famous uh, Castlevania games, and also was, was a scenario writer for Konami on Tokimeki Memorial. Yeah, however, you guys you, you left off Bloodstained. Yeah, yeah, Koji Igarashi from Bloodstained, your guys' game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, I assumed that Michael knew who I was talking about. Oh, yeah. No, but for, that's not for Michael. That's for everybody else. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, the He worked at Konami on Tokimeki Memorial, and at some point during the development of Tokimeki Memorial, went to, you know, I say next door, but I don't really know, somewhere else in Konami where they were creating Castlevania Rondo of Blood, or Dracula X Rondo of Blood, I think, in Japanese. Anyway, uh and was playtesting the game for them and, you know, talked with them about the game or whatever. And then after Tokimeki Memorial begged to be transferred to the Castlevania team, where he was then put in charge of the <laughs> Castlevania team and created Symphony of the Night, one of the classic Castlevania games ever. And you don't get, go from being a guy writing dialogue for a fabulously successful in Japan game, by the way. Tokimeki Memorial sold amazingly well. And continues uh, to. They have made mobile versions of this game for their phones there. Yeah, and it's been, and there's like a billion sequels and stuff, none of which have been translated to English. Um, but uh, tons and tons of, of games in Japan based on this have done amazingly well. But you don't go from being the guy writing dialogue for this to the co director of a Castlevania game without there being a reason. Yeah. <laughs> right? And like just because Togemaki Memorial sold well, that's not a good enough reason, but you know, you connect the dots here and like the gameplay in Tokimeki is so weird and just like, you know, we talked about like how you have to grind stats and do all these things, but then also there's like kind of weird JRPG battles in it. Kind of very rarely. There's a whole bunch of mini games for like athletics day or whatever. You have to like do a three legged race. You have to like roll a ball around a track. You have to, you know, a bunch of like folk dances and other weird things that are part of like, you know, I guess Japanese school in the 90s. You know what it is? This review reminds me of the reason I would watch Anthony Bourdain's CNN show. Mm. Where he would go yeah. around the world and he wasn't, he was ostensibly trying the food in places, right? Like, oh, he went to Italy. But really, honestly, I didn't care what he was eating. Right? I cared about his personal exploration and experience of a place and what it meant. And, and so that's the same feeling I get from these Tim Rogers videos. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know that we, we could spend all day talking about it because you could spend all day watching it. So, um, yeah, it, it's super interesting. It's, I think people should watch it. Uh, Metroidvanias though, Koji Igarashi responsible for them and Tokimeki Memorial. Michael, 
Metroidvania so, me. Yeah, I uh it this actually ties in nicely because the I I picked up a new one over the holiday break, which was then subsequently run in like nine minutes, I think, as part of AGDQ this Did year. Did you know it was gonna be in there before you played it? Is that why you played I, it? I so some part of me knew because I had looked at the schedule a while ago, um, but I think I had forgotten that it was going to be run. Uh, um, but it had, you know, it had been on my, my wish list for a little while. It, it was on very steep sale. Um, so I picked it up on the, the steam holiday sale. Uh, but I played through a, um, a fun, but on the short side Metroidvania called all was legacy. Uh, and it's in the, the 16 bit, um, sort of like super Metroid, uh, era of Metroidvania's. And the the game itself is fun. Um, it's oh, there's a sequel? I don't know if there's anything that uh, it is. It, it is, is the, the sequel. sequel. Got it. Yeah. So they did an eight bit version first, um, and then this was the was the sequel. I'm looking at the Steam um, page right now. Yeah. Um. It's it's fun. It was a good playthrough. Um. I wound up playing through it twice though. Uh, because there were a couple of achievements that you can't get on the first playthrough, because one of them is tied to a pacifist run. Oh, cool. And I was oh, trying man. to think about this, and I don't know that I have ever done... I've I've played games that have pacifist achievements before, but I don't know that I've ever taken the time to try one. Uh, and this one was short enough that I decided, you know what, I'm on vacation, I'll give it a shot. And the way that they set it up is pretty clever. Um, there are um, your first playthrough. There are rose petals scattered throughout the game. And much like the heart containers in a Zelda game, for every four of them you get, you increase your life. And if you find all 12 of them, the person that increases your life um, unlocks pacifist mode for you. Okay. Uh, and they give you a rose to symbolize that you've collected all the petals. I was well, curious when you how you started... get through the bosses. Yeah, right. So when watching, you start... watching this video, they look like there's no way to beat a boss pacifist ways on the initial or whatever. Yep, that's correct. So they, when you start the new game, your health bar is wrapped in, a, in the vines of the rose. Mm -hmm. And if you intentionally or accidentally kill anything, the rose withers and you lose... You basically lose pacifist mode. You can keep playing, um, but your pacifist run ends. Got it. Um, it's it is there is kind of an escape hatch where if you if you hard close the game, it will take you back to whatever your late your last <laughs> actual save was. Sure the the save the the quit before it saves the good, the uh, good alt f four. Pull the yep. land cord before I die. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so there were there were a couple of those, uh, but not many in my in my run. But scattered throughout the game, and you see them when you play through the first time. There are um, what look like tombstones that have um, a, a rose carved into them, and you have to find them in the pacifist playthrough, and they clear the. Uh, bosses and sub bosses that you couldn't otherwise get past. Oh, oh okay. 
That's fun. It turns into more of an exploration thing and then like yeah. a avoidance. Yeah. Yeah, because so I was... mean, pure avoidance wouldn't be as fun, but that's kind of a really cool solution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was fun. It was a good way to play through it. Um, there were a couple of times where I definitely got kind of stuck. Okay. And it required some incredibly precise platforming and tight timing to get myself unstuck. Mm. Um, especially because there's one, um, the there's an underwater breathing mechanic in this. Uh, so your your air is a finite amount, which you can run out of. Um, and there are a couple of sections where you have to get, you have to make a a pretty long underwater run, and the fastest way to do it is to kill the enemies as you go. <laughs> but if you can't kill the enemies to clear them out of your way, uh, it, it things get a lot dicier. Yeah, man. Cool. Okay. That sounds yeah. cool, man. Recommended for? I mean, how long is it? Uh, the first playthrough took me 12 hours, um, and that was to find everything. And then the second time through on pacifist mode took seven. I mean, so not even on sale, you could get both of those for 20 bucks for both games that they made for 20 bucks. That's probably worth your time. Yeah. So definitely entertaining. Um, a nice, you know, a nice game to sink a little time into a couple of days worth. Um, and then, you know, go to the AGDQ VODs and cry to watch it broken in 10 minutes. Ah, uh, <laughs> don't cry. You, no one's got kind of time. To no, it was, that. it was super impressive to watch the run. <laughs> cool. Uh, but I don't think I was the only one playing a Metroidvania. Ooh. Yeah, we're kind of coming up against yeah, it here. I was, but I maybe, maybe say, tune in. Yeah. Tune in next week. week then. Yeah. Tune in next tune week in and next hear week. about a different Metroidvania. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice lead in, Michael. Good transition. I loved it. <laughs> if you want to hear Michael do transitions next week, you should oh. vote for him at yes, podcasts at weweregamers.com. Podcasts at weweregamers.com. Where else? Uh, you can find us on YouTube if you search out We Were Gamers. You can subscribe to that channel. It would help us a lot. Please do that. Uh, it, it's super awesome to see all our stuff on YouTube. We are also on every podcasting platform we can get our hands on. Apple, Google, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. Go ahead and subscribe to us there, and all our new episodes will be posted as we post them. Uh, and you can email us, podcast at We Were Gamers. Find us on social media at We Were Gamers, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you find podcast listeners want to be i don't know if people will have the will to wait for next week Ooh, was that a sigh i think he sighed yeah (laughs) it was it was all right meantime people can listen to the tiktok sea shanties and uh be impressed what at is TikTok? Harmony. What are you talking about? TikTok sea shanties. All right, hold on. I'll find the video. I don't have TikTok Y'all, on my phone. You don't need TikTok to watch anything, bro. Everything gets reposted to YouTube. You know how this works. Come on. Be serious. <laughs> <laughs>